All right. Hey, everyone. I'm Phil Albertelli, and this is The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. I promised you guys that I'd continue my response to Dennis Prager and Michael Shermer's Rubin Report conversation. So here's part two. Not sure if there'll be a part three. We'll see. There's so many topics I want to discuss on the show, and I don't want to get bogged down doing a long, drawn-out review series centered around this one particular video. But before we begin, I'd like to thank the following people for liking the Weekend Out Facebook page. So we have Dimitri Selsfant. Is that it? Selsfant? Uh, you guys do me the solid of liking the page, and I end up butchering your names. Uh, sincere apologies. Then we have Stephen James. I can pronounce that one. Then we have Anel Admovic. Is it? Um, let's see. Anyone else that I don't think I've read their name before? Uh, let's see. Max M. Sotelo. Uh, maybe I might have given uh, Max a shout out before, but as I always say, it can't hurt to thank someone twice. All right, let's get into it. Part two. Boring. I mean, you know, etern <laughs> eternity is a long time, especially near the end, as yeah. somebody said. Uh, you know, and and, and, and you know, as, as Hitch famously said, heaven would be like celestial North Korea. I don't mm -hmm. want a dictator that knows every one of my thoughts. So this can't be. I'm thinking of it as a human. That can't be what heaven would be like. So I don't actually even know, Dennis, what. What we're talking about. Right. I don't either. Yeah. I only know that a good God has figures out how to undo the terrible injustice of this yeah. life. I, That's it. I'm curious. I wasn't planning on even asking this, but would, would you both concede that the other one could be right? Of course he could be right. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Uh, I would only say I intellectually, this has obviously nothing to do with Michael, who I have great respect for. Intellectually, I respect agnosticism more than atheism. The, the certitude that that implies, uh, I don't intellectually quite understand. It, it, it's like, I don't understand a believer who never has doubts. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. So I don't understand an atheist who never has doubts. Do, do so I love that question from Dave Rubin, asking them if they were both willing to admit that the other could be right. And for context, Dennis Prager is, of course, a believer, and Michael Schummer is a skeptic and atheist. As I mentioned last week, I love questions that get me to think and to examine or re-examine my beliefs. I think there's a common misconception among believers, and I think maybe Dennis is demonstrating it a bit here, that atheists, generally speaking, claim to be certain that there is no God. And in a bit, Michael Shermer will go on to actually discuss the difference between strong and weak atheism and the overlap between atheism and agnosticism. I think most of the atheists that I've spoken to, read, or listened to are, like myself, technically agnostic atheists. I guess you could also refer to it as weak or negative atheism, meaning they don't claim to know with 100% certainty that there isn't a god or an afterlife, but they're doubtful or skeptical due to the seeming lack of evidence and the evidently man-made nature of religion, etc., as Shermer will go on to say, he thinks that quote-unquote strong atheism, the claim or assertion that there definitely are no gods or isn't a god, is in his words, quote-unquote, indefensible. You run into the problem of trying to disprove a negative. And that's pretty much where I stand. I highly doubt the existence of a higher power or an afterlife. 
But I like to think that I'm intellectually honest enough to readily admit that I don't know for sure. I sometimes have trouble finding my shoes in the morning. I'm one shaved ape on a rock floating in space. I don't claim to have all the final answers to these big questions that better minds than mine have long wrestled with. I do feel like I have this kind of inner mechanism that helps me keep things real, so to speak, where if I find myself getting a little too comfortable or confident in my beliefs, where maybe not believing in God starts to feel like a matter of habit, I'll stop and say, well, okay, how do I know? And I'll re-examine why I believe what I believe or don't believe. And usually my reason ends up taking me right back to the agnostic atheist position. Yeah, yeah, that, so I, that's a fair critique because we hear that a lot about yeah, atheists. Right, yeah. These days, I think we hear it more yeah. than usual. So clarification are, on the terms: yeah. agnostic, technically, when Huxley coined the term, he meant unknowable, not like you're waiting there for one more experiment or one more piece of data and then I'll make up my mind. He says just not knowable in any, you know, rational scientific sense. Um, and I and so ontologically speaking, I'm an agnostic. I, we can't know. There's no experiment we're going to run. And there it is. You know, 0.05 level significance. God exists. Right. Atheist. So there's strong and weak atheism. So strong atheism. You know, I know there's no God. That to me is an indefensible position. So weak atheism. I just don't believe in a God. You know, I could be wrong. You know, that that's the more defensible position. So yeah. that would be my position. Yeah, and I think that's sort of consistent with with yeah. what you're saying. Uh, well, more so obviously. Uh, the the other. I, I just, I mean, this is not obviously the subject, but it doesn't matter. It's a great this dialogue anyway. Uh, I, I intellectually, not emotionally, not religiously, I don't get how someone can look at the universe and think it came about on its own. I debated a Lawrence uh, Krauss on the show, so, you know, who said something from nothing. Yeah. So at a given point in the debate, I said... So, uh, what is nothing? I said, well, uh, nothing is something. And I, <laughs> you know how respectfully I treat people I differ with, because you've been on the show yep. a number of times. Yep. And I was respectful, but I did say something to the effect, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm now entering a sort of voodoo land. If, some, if nothing is something, then nothing isn't nothing. You, you can't have it both ways. So I found that little exchange to be very thought-provoking as well. We have Prager bringing up the problem of how do you get something from nothing. And to be completely honest, that's probably the main thing that will sometimes get me to temporarily question my atheism. I mean, abiogenesis, organic life coming from inorganic matter, evolution, even consciousness. I can pretty much wrap my head around all those things and conceive of how they could naturally occur. But the idea of something from nothing, that is something that I struggle to get my head around. But as others, including Richard Dawkins, have pointed out, positing God doesn't really help matters. I think Shermer will touch on this in a bit. But as I've been saying for a long time, no matter which side of the argument you're on, you end up running the risk of running into the problem of infinite regress. If you want to say God done did it, well, where did God come from? You might be tempted to say God always was, but what do you base that on, your man-made holy book? How do you know? And if you're coming at it from a scientific worldview like myself, admittedly, what preceded the Big Bang or preceded that initial hot, dense state? Prager then mentions Lawrence Krauss, and it's funny, early on in the history of this podcast, I used to bring up Krauss in his book, A Universe from Nothing, and although I like Krauss and I think his argument or his ideas have a lot of merit, 
I had the same criticism as some believers. I thought it sounded like he was playing a semantic game with the meaning of nothing. He would describe nothing as this kind of bubbling quantum brew. Well, that sounds like something. Where did the bubbling quantum brew come from? But of course, as Shermer will go on to say in a bit, we already have examples of something coming from nothing. Photons jumping into existence, etc. But here we go back to these guys. Couldn't you have pulled some sort of rabbinical something out there? I probably there could have, but yes, yes, yes right, right. Much of it turns on how, what we mean by these words. You know, so when a physicist like Lawrence Krauss talks about nothing, he doesn't mean it in the same way, say, a theologian might say nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, because there is no nothing in, in physics. There's always some energy field, a quantum foam field, something like this, that things pop out of. Like photons of light don't exist, and they pop out of nothing in atoms. So this, are, this already happens. Something comes from nothing. That all physicists agree, yeah, that's how light is formed. Okay, so why can't a universe do it? This is Lawrence's argument. So when he says nothing, he means you know, something different. And I think at some point we kind of hit a, an epistemological wall when we talk about things like nothing, eternity, uh, you know, infinity. You know, we, as finite uh, beings that are in a three-dimensional world or four-dimensional world, we can't really know what those words mean on some, say, cosmic sense. Yeah. Something outside of us. Right. That's why I just I I I fully admit I don't I don't quite understand seeing the universe and concluding that on rational grounds, just rational logical grounds, this all came from nothing and that all the design I see implies no designer. Well, pushing aside the problem of getting something from nothing and infinite regress for the moment, I think once we're dealing with the extant universe, however it got here, in the basic materials, constituents, elements, or whatever in it, it's fairly easy to comprehend how simplicity through some basic processes can eventually lead to complexity. How you can go from single cell to multicellular creatures, how you can eventually go from rudimentary sea life to mammals via natural selection. So I don't think we need God or a designer to explain the rise of complex life. And between the fossil record and genetics, we now have so much evidence backing up the quote-unquote theory of evolution, theory in the scientific sense, like the germ theory of disease, that seems absurd to deny it as a scientific reality or a matter of scientific fact. I debated the head of American Atheists. They, they were a wonderful group, by the way. They and I always say they gave me the check that day, which a lot of religious groups do not do. So I just want to be clear. Yeah. Was this David Silverman? I don't recall the name. Okay. I feel bad. Okay. But they had their annual convention in, in Minneapolis, and I debated their head. And I looked at the audience at one point, and just, it just struck me to ask them. I, it was very spontaneous. I said, how many of you, please raise your hand, if you have ever doubted your atheism? And not one hand went up. Although they maybe were afraid to raise their hand right. in that community like hey, Well, right. Right, that's possible. Which is, <laughs> which, is, which is an interesting point, actually. But, but, but yeah. I made the point, though, I said, look, when a child is born with terrible deformity, every believer I know goes, where's God? We, so, but, so when a child is born perfectly formed, why doesn't the atheist go, wow? That's, that's, that, it doesn't seem that it's completely random.
Now, this question doesn't really impress me. I think it's rather easily answered. It makes sense, in my view, when we encounter things like natural disasters or horrible birth defects to say, where's God? And natural disasters and birth defects are the type of things you might expect to find in an indifferent world that develop naturally. It makes sense from what we know about our nature as evolved animals that there might be some genetic mistakes or hiccups here and there. If you believe in an all-powerful just God, I think it's a lot harder to try to square the existence of things like birth defects. You might try to pin the blame on us lowly mortals, original sin and all that, but I took on that vulgar and offensive idea last week. And as far as why don't believers say wow at things like a perfectly formed newborn, and Shermer will offer a good response to this, I think there are definitely those wow moments in life where everything seems right and in its place, or you feel a moment of quote-unquote transcendence, or being uplifted by some positive turn of events, but that's not really proof of a higher power. I've spoken a lot about atheism and the quote-unquote transcendent in the past, and I know this kind of strips some of the magic out of it, and I'm not a parent, but as an evolved species, most of our offspring tend to be born looking rather, well, human or demonstrative of the species without any major birth defects. Well, not but, random. It's still a wow moment for all of us. Well, no, wow, uh, but, but wow, oh, but it's a random wow. Not, not random. You know, so, so, well, it's so, either so, design so, or random. No, no. So the forces of nature are not random. The, you know, the, the emergent property of complexity comes from simplicity by the laws of nature themselves. It's built into the system. Now, you can right. ask, well, where are the laws of nature? Come yes, from? well, but I would I, ask. But, yes, okay. I would well, do but, ask so, that. But you still have the same problem with the infinite regress argument that, so if you say, well, God did it, well, where did God come from? Well, God is that which does not need to be created. Well, why can't the universe be that which does not need to because be created? Because the universe is physical and God is metaphysical. Well, but there could be a pre-existing state. You know, again, we you know we can only push back so far to uh, you know the, the well, first you can only pu push back so far within the physical universe. That's, that's but, right. But yeah. but the idea that something outside of the physical realm made the physical realm is more coherent to me than the physical realm made itself. Now, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Prager, but that really seems like magical thinking to me—a classic case of the god of the gaps. It seems like pure speculation. How do you know this being exists? What's its nature? Why, what does it mean to exist, quote-unquote, outside of the universe? And how does it create matter if it itself is immaterial? I don't see why positing this seemingly imaginary being's existence should seem more plausible to Prager than a naturalistic explanation. Well, but but there could be multiple universes. Okay, okay. that's so, the latest. Uh, okay, yeah. that so, I that's where you lose me. Well, so but, that uh, so that you know, you where, the Dave, where the Dave Rubin show is happening just like this because there's an infinite number of universes. Well, no, not that kind of uh, yeah. multiple universe. Not a know. better show than this. Yeah, Am I no, better? No, than no, no, universe? That, that would well, be nice. Uh, that's a toughie. That's a toughie. <laughs> but so so that argument to you, that's the same thing as the Krauss argument, right? Like you mean the multiple universe? Yeah. The multiple universe is a cop out. No, no, no. Because there's he knows better than I, because he knows more science than I, you cannot possibly ever, there will not, not possible for us to have contact or prove another universe. I'm not sure I necessarily agree. I understand that talk of multiple universes and the idea of traveling via wormholes and things like that might sound flaky. And not being a theoretical physicist myself, I have a lot of trouble wrapping my mind around some of these concepts. But I don't know if I'd necessarily say never. 
If we don't destroy ourselves and we keep scientifically and technologically progressing, if we keep studying the world of quantum mechanics, etc., who knows what kind of things might be possible in the distant future. Be so it's, it's, a, it's a statement made that has less argument for it than the belief in God. Yeah, well, I don't think you said it was provable. But no, he didn't say it, but, yeah. but even offering it as an argument. But if that's your if that's your argument, then I have a good sound argument. Okay, so that's not quite the argument. So first of all, dispense with the multiple universes where we're sitting here in another studio somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't go for that. Okay, but the, but the idea that there could be an eternal sequence or cycles of universes, you know, kind of a Buddhist sort of thing or Hindu sort of thing. It's kind of funny. It reminds me about how a few episodes back I was talking about Nietzsche or Nietzsche and the idea of eternal recurrence. Or all the way up to what, you know, there's a half a dozen of these physical theories that uh, that are put forth by physicists. They're not meant, they're not like, oh, I'm an atheist, so I got to come up with something. That's not what they're doing. They're making predictions based on the mathematical principles of the universe and how these laws of nature could come about and so on. They may all be wrong. They may never even be tested. We don't know. And that's perfectly okay in science to throw those kinds of things out there and see what happens. Maybe the gravitational wave research now, that's all the thing. That, that may be able to detect colliding universes from, you know, that, 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 that cause these gravity waves to trigger. Something like that is possible, not now, but that could make it testable. At the moment, it's not testable. So both of us end up at an epistemological wall where we can't go any further. And, and then now we're just using words. Well, God is that which does not need to be created and is outside of space and time. Okay, th these are just words we're using. We don't, you don't know that. No, I don't know that, know but it makes sure. more sense than the physical world and everything in it. You and I both love music, uh, you know, so there, there is no... Well, I'm probably going to leave it there. Uh, they go into discussing Bach, or as Prager says, Bach. Uh, I like Bach. Uh, Brandenburg Concertos, that was Bach, right? And he was kind of repeating himself a little bit there, trying to suggest once again that the idea of a god bringing everything into being is somehow more plausible than a naturalistic explanation, and I already talked about that. Uh, like I said, I don't know if there'll necessarily be a part three, but thanks for listening, guys. You know the drill, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, you can subscribe to the show via iTunes or rate the show via iTunes. If you want to help the show out monetarily, you can use the PayPal widget at the bottom of the Podbean page. There's all that alliteration. Or you can go to patreon.com slash theweekendout and help support the show for as little as 99 cents a month and stop anytime you want. All right. Thanks, brothers and sisters. Until next time. Bach, 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 Bach.